Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, Nets fans. Welcome to another episode of the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano, joining you on Arbitration Day. On uh, today's the deadline for the Nationals to hand down or come to terms with deals with uh, their arbitration eligible players. But before that, Paul, we've yes. got some some news, some a second baseman news. Yeah, uh, DJ LeMahieu. Do you believe it? Going to the Yankees, two years. That's all we're talking about. All we're talking about is all Yankees, all all the time. That's what we're here for. That's what the baseball. That's what podcast. the baseball world wants to hear is all Yankees all the time. Sadly, you turn yeah, on MLB really. Network, all Yankees, all the time. Yeah. Um, no, but honestly, uh, Nats agreed to deal with second baseman Brian Dozier, uh, who went from the Twins to the Dodgers uh-huh. last summer. Um, Paul, you did a great piece for Mass and All Access. Check Thank it out, you. Mass and Nationals Instagram and Twitter. Um, at Paul Mancano as well on Twitter. Um, nine reasons why the Nats fans should like the Brian Dozier deal. Paul, give us your top reason of those nine. Oh, the top reason was they needed him. Uh, I think it was pretty clear. Mike Rizzo was like, oh, we're, no, we don't need second baseman. We're pretty happy with what we have, which probably you need to say in order to make the guys that you already have in-house feel more comfortable and not feel like... Uh, under underappreciated, but they needed him. Uh, they Howie Kendrick has dealt with serious injuries in the past, coming off an Achilles. That's a big injury to come off of, and I know he was great last year when he played, but the injuries are definitely a concern. And beyond that, you had Wilmer Defoe, who to me has not proven to be an everyday player. I don't think his stats say that. And after that, Carter Keboom, I called him the ghost of Carter Keboom yet to come because we don't know. We don't know if he's going to come up this year. I think some fans optimistically could say maybe he'll come up at the end of this year, but he's still only 21. He's still never played beyond double A. So they needed somebody like Dozier on a short term contract, a veteran who plays solid defense to be able to come in, not play necessarily every day, but give Kendrick a rest when he needs to. Uh, so that Kendrick, maybe if somebody else is out, can move over to first. He can play short. He can play just about every position. They needed to bolster that infield and specifically second base. Dozier just made too much sense. I agree uh, that uh, they needed to go get the second baseman. He fills a need. Mm-hmm. I also like the price: one year, nine million dollars. Pretty nice. Two million of it is deferred. Um, Although I, that that was like one of the I, I thought, oh, okay, that's a great bargain. And then DJ LeMahieu signed for two years, twenty four million dollars. So that that kind of brings up the next question: Is all right? What the heck? You could have gotten LeMahieu for two years, twenty four million. You know, if you would have, you know, those years, if it's a two year deal, it's around eighteen million. Right. LeMahieu's obviously was the top second baseman on the market. Yeah. Probably this off season. Yeah. Is it worth shelling out that extra cash for two years of LeMahieu? Or are, you think this is just, oh, this was available at the time. We're right. going to do it. And Carter Keboom is our future, 2020 and beyond. Yeah. Or do you think it's like, well, we we don't want to spend that much money on a second baseman right now? Well, maybe maybe Dozier just wanted – or maybe LeMahieu just wanted to go to the Yankees. That's the other thing. Like that could if, be too. Yeah. If the Nats offered him the same price, he could have still said, hey, I want to go to the Bronx. Um, or if even if they had offered a little bit more, maybe he just for whatever reason was inclined to go That's to the true. Yankees. But um, I think people f- often forget that it's a two-way street. Yeah, like, yeah. 
he was like, oh, why didn't you go get LeMahieu? It's like, well, maybe he didn't want to come. Maybe he didn't want to come. Same here, thing exactly. would happen to trades. Like it's a two way street. Like yeah. you can't just go do things without the other party wanting to do it as well. Exactly. So, um, but it, you know, in a in a vacuum, that's a terrific deal for the Yankees, and I think I described it earlier with Mark Zuckerman is like the second base market was almost DJ LeMahieu then 50 feet of you know what and then everybody else now that being said Dozier I still think is a quality upgrade for what they have but LeMahieu I think in my mind was far and away the number one option on the market he was still under 30 he still plays great defense is one of the most solid hitters in major league baseball he would have made perfect sense at a two-year, $24 million price tag, but maybe it just wasn't available to them. And, uh, you know, you can't... It would be kind of comparing apples to oranges to compare these two contracts. Um, I think the Yankees got the better deal getting getting the top guy in the market for that price point, but you also got to credit the Nationals for getting Dozier at that price because I think that's, that's cheap as well. This is going to be one of those things at the end of this season, you know, Come November 2019, we're going to look back and we're going to say, hey, that Dozier deal was awesome. That was a yeah. perfect, it was brilliant, or it was, wow, they should have gotten the Mayhew yeah. um, and spent a little extra cash. So it's gonna, obviously going to go one way or the other. Um, the thing I, is, if, if, if Dozier didn't have the down year he just had, if he had had a, a year in line with what he had had in 2016 or 2017, he would be get on track to get the, the same amount, yeah. the same contract, I think, as LeMahieu. He just... 2018 was so bad, and part of that was apparently due to a, a bone bruise in his knee, which he said hampered him all year. If he had just not had the down year that he had, if he'd had a career average year, I think he would have gotten the same offers and the same style contract as LeMahieu just I mean, got. even on, in a down year, he still was highly thought of enough to be traded from yeah. the Twins to a contender and then the exactly. eventual NL pennant winners and played in the World Series for the Dodgers. Yeah. So, yeah, his, he has a track record that definitely speaks for him. You mentioned in your piece he has hit the most home runs of any second baseman since 2014. Yep. Uh, was By one, a long shot. 147? 148. 148. Robinson Cano, who and, and he did miss time, but he's got 107. I mean, he's Cano is still viewed as like the top power-hitting second baseman in all of baseball, and I know he had a suspension last year, but still, that's 41 more homers than Robinson Cano hit in that. And there was someone else, I think, who hit like in the one-teens yeah. um, when I was double-checking your stats for your piece. Thank you. Uh, but yes, still not even close. to. Yeah. There's still like 30 off of, of Brian Dozier. Um, and I think part of it is the fact that he played in Minnesota. Obviously, he came to, to the Dodgers, but um, I think the reason he's not talked about in the upper echelon uh, of power hitters and power hitting infielders is just because we didn't hear about him for so long, but he deserves that kind of credit because you think of great second baseman, you think in the game right now, you think of like Javi Baez and, and Cano, but you don't think as much about Brian Dozier, but if it weren't for last year, he would still be one of the premier second base options and he might be able to get back. To I that. think it was Matt Carpenter who, um, who played second base early on his career? Okay, and but he obviously moved over Switched to third over, base. Yeah, yeah so um, he's up there in, in terms of numbers, but not a full time second baseman. Mm -hmm. And uh, Paul, we've also talked about you know when you talk about go back to the conversation of Lemay, who's obviously far and away the best. But we, you and I, were both okay with thought of all right going after Brian Dozier or like a Jed Lowry type for the I Nationals made made yeah. perfect sense for the Nationals because it'd be. You know, you're getting a high-quality second baseman, obviously an upgrade from whatever they had last year. Yeah. Daniel Murphy only playing half the year, hurt, 
became a trade piece. Uh, Ke- uh, Howie Kendrick coming off an injury. Wilmer Defoe not playing at the level the Nationals expect him to be at. Yeah. So either one of those would be an upgrade um, and should be the opening day starter from yeah. the get-go, assuming they're healthy. And I think Jed Lowry also got a deal that was very close to Dozier's in terms of aver- average contract. He got a two-year, $20 million deal from the Mets later on yesterday. Yeah. So those deals went bang, bang. Right now, the second basemen are just flying, flying off the, off the shelf. Um, but Lowry, it, it might have been a case. I can't speak to it for certain. But maybe the Nats, their sticking point was we're only going to go one year with somebody. You know, if if and I don't know if they wanted Lowry or LeMahieu per se, but if maybe they had the idea in their mind, Carter Keboom is going to come up, he's going to play second base for us in the near future. We don't want anybody keeping that spot and keeping him in the minors, keeping him on the bench. We need to keep that spot open. Let's get a guy for one year. That being said, these are pretty cheap contracts, Lowry and LeMahieu, and at a certain point. We, we still don't know what Carter Keboom is going to be. It might have been the, worth the risk to uh, keep him, to sign one of these two guys and keep him in the minors or yeah. keep him on, on the bench. Yeah, there's another train of, I mean, there's so many trains of thoughts that could have go, gone into this. Like, you could say, all right, maybe because of the down year last mm-hmm. year, give Dozier the one-year deal, $9 million cheap. Yeah. Go into 2020, you know, Assuming Dozier has a bounce back year in 2019, has a, has a solid season, obviously he'll probably test the market again if he does bounce back. But going to 2020, maybe Keeboom's not quite ready there. Right. So maybe you give Dozier another year or two right. and then bring Carter Keeboom up at yeah. some point. Um, Which is why I'm kind of surprised they didn't almost didn't. Cause it's so kind of like com- what they did with Matt Adams. Yeah, it's, it's so common right now, especially with the Nationals, of adding on these player or team options. I'm kind of surprised they didn't add a team option for 2020, but... You know, maybe they, maybe Dozier didn't want it because maybe he figures I'm going to get right back to where I was. Yeah. And, and I'm going to sign a much, much bigger contract in a year. So there's a lot of baseball to be played mm-hmm. um, to judge this deal f- thoroughly. But I think at the moment, as of, you know, January 11th, Nats yeah. fans should be pretty happy with it. Yeah. And their infield is, is set yeah. um, for, for opening day. My question for you, Bobby, because Daniel Murphy was, of course, very well liked by the fans. He was extremely productive on the plate. You look at what Brian Dozier brings you defensively, obviously a much better defender than where Daniel Murphy is right now because of Murphy's injuries, and he just was never a great defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Murphy can't steal bases anymore. We know that. He hasn't had more than, he didn't have more than five stolen bases in a season with the Nats. Dozier can still run around the base pass and still pick up. He had 12 s- steals last year, even with that bone, bros, bone bruise in the knee. Looking at these two guys, who would you rather have? Dozier. Dozier? Yeah. Yeah. At this, at this point, I, 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 would, I would agree. Also, with um, I mean, that's an upgrade. Then. Murphy's injury history. Yeah, I mean, and I think also I saw somewhere was it even your piece? Maybe so, I saw somewhere else where mm-hmm. Dozier does not have a very long history of, of injury. He's, he's no, he's been he's sturdy. extremely consistent. Yeah. yeah, and gives you a lot of games and a lot of at bats. Um, 150 and, games a year each of the last five years. And I think it was Mark Zuckerman on Twitter pointed out, I think last year he had a minus .08 defensive, maybe actually, you know what, it might, might have been minus eight defensive mm-hmm. runs saved, but he wanted to go glove in 2017. Yeah. So he has a history of playing much better second base. Also, I, I don't think Daniel Murphy's ever been close to getting yeah. a gold glove at second base. Also, I, I don't know how I feel about defensive runs saved. Sometimes it's it, it it's seems so, really accurate, yeah, we and other times this. it's like, where did that come from? Yeah. Like this guy, you watch him and you're like, like I'm pretty sure Anthony Rendon had like a mediocre, he might have been in the negatives last year for defensive runs saved. We watched him all year. 
he was one of the best defenders in baseball at third base. He like, always is. It, it to me sometimes that that number can lie, um, but I think when we watch him play, I think we'll see that Brian Dozier is at least an average defender at second base. Yeah, yeah, or if I would say a little bit above, um, and yeah. that. You know, depending how Davey Martinez chooses to use Howie Kendrick, because he, he's versatile in the outfield as well, yeah. but obviously coming off the injury. And then also, when we're defense, I mean, defense at second base is way better than it was last year. Yeah. So that's not going to be a problem. Now, it, by the way, Anthony Rendon last year, according to Fangraphs, defense runs safe. He found it. Negative six. Yeah, what? 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 He went from plus seven the year before to negative six last year? I, I thought he was better defensively last year than he was in 2017. I don't get it. It's again. We've had this conversation. Yeah. Well, it's like the same metrics things. It's like, okay, that's great. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like uh, I don't know. We we also cover the Orioles. It's kind of like the Buck Walter way of things. It's like, <laughs> yeah, these numbers are great, but I, you do you watch him play? Like, yeah. have you watched him play? Like, some of the things that he does out there is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you mentioned Anthony Rendon. Let's let's switch gears here because, sure. like I mentioned earlier, today is the day. To uh, deal out arbitration deals mm-hmm. for your arbitration eligible players, uh, one year contracts. The Nationals, as of almost three o'clock on Friday afternoon, uh, have come to terms with Joe Ross, Sammy Solis, and then earlier today, Trey Turner, all on one year deals for 2019. The remaining players are Michael A. Taylor, Kyle Barraclaw, mm-hmm. and the big one, Anthony Rendon. Um, this is just kind of one of those things you have to do during the offseason. It's, you know, these players have earned the right to get a salary bump yep. um, before they enter free agency. This is obviously the last year that Anthony Rendon will be arbitration eligible. MLB trade rumors has him projected at seventeen point six million dollars for the for this season. Um, you know, it, obviously, we know that the Nationals and Rendon and Boris have been talking all off se- on and off all off season about an extension. Um, is it's I guess it's going to be a question of are they going to come to terms with an extension before then or are they going to have to settle for a one year contract, Paul? Is it, these are these are tricky discussions because yeah. you know you don't want to obviously the Nationals don't want to overpay. Mm-hmm. Anthony Rendon doesn't want to get underpaid. Yeah, um, but also they you want to keep in a good relationship, good contact good stance with player and organization yep. if you do want to get a long-term deal done. So these things can get a little tricky as the offseason moves on, and you don't want to go to that dreaded arbitration hearing later in the offseason. Exactly, because that can get ugly, unfortunately. And it's such a weird thing because you're arguing against your own players. You're going up on the stand and, and saying, this is what you don't do well. This guy sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This guy doesn't deserve this money. Right. And then, you know, if you win, then you... You're like, yeah, all right, we got to pay him less money. And he's like, what the heck? I yeah. just, what the hell just happened? I just, you well, just trash me up on the stand and now I got to come play for you. Minus six DRS. Minus six DRS. That's, I'm <laughs> sure that will be top of the list. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this. Fan graphs. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's such a weird thing and you want to avoid it as much as possible with the, f- the guys that you view as the franchise guys. I mean, with everybody, but I think especially with guys like that where things are, it's it's we've talked about how weird it is now. Not weird, but a little surprising it is that they haven't reached an extension at this point. But Anthony Rendon is a Boris client. Scott Boris loves to wait, and he loves to get as much money as possible. So I think you know it, it, there are reasons why he has waited. But I agree. I, I would wa- I would want to avoid that. I would not want to. 
um, give Anthony Rendon any reason to have any grudge against you. I don't think he holds grudges. He doesn't hold grudges. But have anything against you right. when you're trying to sign this guy to a long-term contract. And I don't expect the Nationals to approach it like that. But no. I think back to 2017, the Nationals, Scott Boris and Bryce Harper, were able to get his 2018 contract out of the way early. They yeah. got it done during the 2017 season just to get it out of the way. And so no harm, no foul. With Anthony Rendon, again, a player that – the Nationals have made it known. Mike Rizzo has said multiple times they want to keep him for the long term. Rendon himself has said he wants to spend the most part of his career here. He's a very kind of hometown body kind of person yeah. where he likes the you – know, this is the only organization who's known. He, they drafted him. They they developed him. He, he's an all-star caliber third baseman for them. One of, one of if not the but their best player, yeah. the best player on the Nationals over the past couple seasons. Um, At least the best hitter, position player. And defensive player, I, I yeah. would say, too. Um so, yeah, it, it is tricky. I wonder if, you know, if we, again, it's three o'clock on Friday afternoon. The deadline was at one o'clock, but obviously the MLB offices get log jammed at this time with yeah. all the teams entering their arbitration deals and such. Um, I wonder if it's, we're at a point where, okay, we're close to a deal. Let's, let's bang this out. Or it's like, all right, we're not, we're, we're not yeah. anywhere close. Um, we're going to have to go through the arbitration process. And the report also came down yesterday from Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. He mentioned briefly in one of his pieces that Anthony Rendon is looking for a contract in the range of what Jose Altuve got, which was a seven-year deal that was worth $163.5 Excuse me. That's quite a lot of money. Uh, he definitely deserves it. I think Anthony Rendon would deserve a deal that is 160, north of 160. Um, but if that's what he's looking for, it's going to be awfully lot, a, a lot to ask of the Nats to pay Patrick Corbin 140. You're already paying Max Scherzer 210. You're already paying, uh, you might be paying Steven Strasburg a whole lot more as he has the uh, option to opt out within in a year. Uh, and obviously Bryce Harper is still sitting out there. So, uh, there, there are so many moving parts right now that um, it's going. I think the Rendon situ- contract situation is just, it's just going to have to take the back burner. That's the other factor. I mean, and I was, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to bring it up next. Mm-hmm. Is is Bryce Harper? It's, yeah. How much is Bryce Harper's? Everything comes back to Bryce. It, it does. It really does. Though, and we keep talking about it, but we have to. And it, it is like, how much do the Nationals? How come I, I don't know? How can they? How much can they afford to pay Rendon this year? Like, if you're in the Nationals, mm-hmm. you're reportedly the front runner for Bryce Harper right now. You're good. All right. So, so let's say they're close to being, you know, coming to agreement with a ten-year deal, mm-hmm. four hundred million, whatever it is. Wouldn't you want to have to pay Rendon, quote unquote, the bare minimum for yeah. at least this season before you give him his extension next year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just you would want to hold off paying Rendon a lot of money for one more season if you're going to sign Bryce Harper, too, um, for as long as you could. Yeah, well, I also – I I, <laughs> I have never operated with more than, like, I mean, it's just like, $5 in my bank account, <laughs> so I can't say I'm – you know, but I, I, I understand the thinking. It's just so weird because we've talked about this offseason having – they have, like, a budget for everything else, every other position, and then they have the Bryce Harper money, which they just have – Sitting in a bank somewhere that's like, if he decides to come back, this is the money we're going to spend him. We're not going to, on him, we're not going to worry about, you know, cutting any other part of our, giving any less money to the rest of our roster. It's such a weird situation. So as much as they say, 
not, you know, one factor is not dependent on the other. They're, they're all intertwined in some way. And right. I think it's impossible to say, all right, we have this. If there's, you know, you can't fully separate in your mind. You have the Bryce Harper money, then you have the rest of the roster money. Right. But, I mean, also think about this way. Like, so Bryce Harper, I, mean, I saw yesterday, projected to get around $35 million annually. Yeah. Who knows? But, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but let's just say that. Yeah. Okay. And then, all right, let's say if you give Rendon his extension, and then that pays him like. 25 20 20 to 25 million dollars yeah. annually so that's you know almost 60 dollars annually between 60 million dollars annually between just two players yep wouldn't you for one more season just play okay that's 35 million and then 17 million right. i mean cut that in half almost or just take 10 million around 10 million that, off yeah that's what i, I mean would it's do. just financial sense so yeah. I, I mean i just again i wonder how much like you know they, but they're going to and again Scott Boris, it's right. the same agent, so they're having they can have this yeah. discussion with the same person. Like, yes, we want to give Anthony this money, but yeah, we're also you know still talking about this other player. Yeah, and uh, you know we're kind of in a pickle right here. We got to wait for that domino to fall before we can approach this person. And you might not be able to have your cake and eat it too if you try to skimp out Anthony Rendon this year because you say we need just one more year of paying him moderately cheaply because we need to save money because we're already paying Harper $35 million a year, he might say, all right, I'm going, I'm skipping town in free agency then. Or he might say, you know, why didn't you pay me when I had the chance? Or, you know, you're letting, you're taking a risk of letting him hit free agency if you try to skimp out there. Yeah, but, I mean, also in the case of trying to save money, I mean, it might be in the Nationals' favor to let the arbitration process determine his salary right. because there's only so much he can get. Yeah, that they're they're going to grant him. You know, they're not going to grant him the twenty five mil, whatever yeah. it's, it exactly. would be if they extend him. So, you know, let's the, the, if I was the Nationals, you know, let's just let a third party decide what you get. Yeah. Whatever they decide, they decide, and then yeah. we'll go from there. We can talk about extension after this off season because that way, you know, at least it's a third party. No one's feelings are hurt. Right. You know the. Rendon doesn't feel like he's getting underpaid. The Nationals mm. don't feel like they're overpaying. Um, and then you go into offseason with a clean slate. Yep. And with a and again, Rendon has made it perfectly clear he would like to stay. Yeah. I don't see you know, I mean, obviously we all knew that Bryce Harper was gonna test the market. I don't see Rendon being that eager to test he's even said he's not that eager to do yeah. it, um, to test the free agent market like Bryce Harper did. So I I think the Nationals, just because of the personality Anthony Rendon is they they might be better off playing it safe with him yeah. unlike with Bryce Harper. All of this is so theoretical and that's I think why people fans understandably get It's a fun frust- discussion. Yeah, get frustrated with the um the Bryce Harper discussions especially cuz we don't have access to how much is in these guys bank accounts. Right. It's not like any other league where you have a salary cap and you can say all right, let's allot this certain amount, you have a max contract. We we just don't know. We don't know how much is being discussed right now. We hear reports, but they change every day. And it's a frustrating and vague and, and uh, general conversation to have about Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon because it's all, it's all hearsay. And um, we can't really say what we can or would do because we don't know how much, how, how much money is at these guys' disposal. We don't know how, what they're thinking. We don't know who, what other teams are calling. So all of this is just so vague in general. But until we get any more clarification, until Bryce Harper shows up in a city and signs, we're not going to have answers to a lot of these questions. He's always going to be the biggest domino. He yep. has to fall first. You still sticking with your prediction that Machado signs first and then Harper? Yes. Harper I, on President's Day? I had the 15th. Or MLK Day, sorry. The 15th for Machado, the 21st for Harper. 
That's four days away. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen well, at some point. I mean, we talked about LeMahieu going to the Yankees. That could possibly – I mean, I said earlier off air with you, Paul, that the Yankees are never out of it because they're, they're the Yankees. Right. They have uh, – they're the evil empire. But – but it's kind of weird they're bringing in a second base. <laughs> well, if you bring in LeMahieu and you're paying that much money for him, I think that puts him a little further out of the running. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, so the White Sox and the Phillies are the front runner. The Yankees could still be that secret team or yeah. whatever they call it, like yeah, the mystery, mystery team. team. Yeah. yeah. Um, and come in with the, you know, see what he's going to get. And then, all right, we'll top that. Boom. And he'll go to yeah. the Yankees. Uh, we we talked to uh, Rakubako on the Orioles podcast yesterday, and he said that Machado probably favors the Yankees. Um, and it'll, yeah. it'll take a big discrepancy between monies to, for him to probably choose elsewhere. Funny, though, because the the White Sox, the Yankees are, like, doing everything they can to say, well, we're not, We'd, you know. And they're that's like, the thing. I think they're playing a game. They're going way out of their way almost to, like, send off signals that they're not interested in Machado, whereas the White Sox and Phillies are going all in. There's White Sox signed half of his family members, his his you know his grandniece and nephew. They've got everybody <laughs> on their team. The, the Phillies dog. signed Roger Mc, uh, added Roger McDowell to their coaching staff, who is Manny's mentor in Baltimore. These two franchises are selling their souls for these guys for Manny specifically, and uh, the Yankees are like, no, no, we're good. We're going to sign a second baseman. What do you think about Yankees, that? Huh? The Yankees are playing hard to get. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Which is, you're the Yankees. You don't need to play hard to get. <laughs> that's kind of their thinking, though. It's like we're the Yankees. He'll come to us, right? <laughs> you yeah, know? I like, guess. And then while the White Sox and the Phillies are like, no, we need you. Come, yeah. like you know, here I'll buy you diamond and roses and everything. And yeah, Manny's like, well, hmm, let me see. Yeah, they're, the White Sox. I would be a little. You know how you can be put off by people who are trying too hard. Yes, you know, exactly. to get your attention. Yeah. I, I I feel like that would if I were Manny. That's what I'm saying. That would I'm, be me with a White Sox. That's what I'm saying. I, I I'm I'm thinking. It would not surprise me in the least mm. if we hear that, okay, Manny has a legit offer from either or both the White Sox and the Phillies, yeah. and then the Yankees just swoop in and top it. Right. Or match, or hey, we'll match it if you want to come play in New York. And right. Manny's like, hell yeah. Yeah. You know? They might be playing a game. I mean, you're right, Bobby. They might be, honestly, they have that, that they just have so much power that they can yeah. do this. But they can. So once that, once he goes somewhere, we'll turn our heads to Bryce and we're both expecting yeah. them to both sign before the end of the month. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we'll have some news for that in the coming days, the yeah. coming weeks. Um, stick, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say one more thing. I saw this, I think, from Brittany Giroli of The Athletic. The Nationals have signed six free agents. In Good offseason. Which is already, which is way more than any other team. I think the next closest team has like four. Yeah. Um, which is crazy because the Nats are not worried about this. And made two trades. And made two trades. The the Bearclaw trade and the Jan Gomes trade. And beyond that, they've signed six free agents. Mike Rizzo is not afraid of this cold market. And He's the only him. thing keeping this warm. Right, exactly. And kudos to him to also not waiting for Bryce Harper. You know, they yeah. had other needs to fill. They filled those needs. So now Bryce is at the top of the list. Yeah. He's the last check mark. I mean, you could we could do a whole nother episode of whether they not, whether or not they need to add another lefty to the bullpen mm-hmm. um, and add some more relievers. But Bryce is now firmly at the top of the list of things to do this offseason because they failed everywhere else. Yeah, and even without Bryce, I think you can look at this lineup, you can look at this roster, a starting rotation, the bullpen, and say this is a team that can at very least compete up until the last week in the NL East, just on paper. Yeah. I mean, you look at that lineup, and you, you it, it is solid right now Yeah, at this point, and that's a good place to be in on January 11th when the rest of the 
teams in Major League Baseball are kind of sitting on their hands. The Nats, they have a solid, solid lineup right now. They have a solid, solid rotation, even if they don't add anybody else. Joe Ross is a fifth starter, I think, is still perfectly fine. I think it's great to go into the season with those four guys and Joe Ross. I think they are in such a good spot right now. I would like to say that they're the favorites in the NL East, but I am one to say that the defending champs are the favorites until they're not. Right. So the Braves are at the top um, heading into the season, I think, until the Nationals can prove that they can beat them or or hang with them at least. Um, another good episode, Paul. Thanks for joining me. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for tuning in to the Mass on All Access podcast. You can find us on uh, SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Mass on All Access, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Um, I'm at under- Bobby underscore Blanco. Mm-hmm. Paul's at Paul Mancano on the Twitter. Follow Mass and Nationals too on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a like, uh, subscribe, and spread the word. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll catch you next time. 